Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The light we cannot see is over. We're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it's full spoiler recaps where we're binging a new season of a show every week and chatting about it in full spoiler detail in one podcast. I am not Jess Sterling, I'm Grace Leader, and today we're discussing the Netflix miniseries All the Lights We Cannot See. Jess Sterling noticeably absent, but don't worry, I have uh, found some people in my attic versus DM Philly. Philly, how are you doing? I'm so good. Uh, I'm glad to be down out of the attic. We're broadcasting this over the radio. I know. You uh-huh. love it. I don't read, Grace. I just listen. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, th- I think this person can uh, can can do the reading. It's Ariel. Ariel, how you doing? I can read. That is true. <laughs> you sound... It's, yeah, we all believe you. You're like... Uh, is it Leah Michelle? Is, is that right? That's your best Leah Michelle. Listen. Uh, yes, I am a human. Emotions. I can read. <laughs> All right, well, we're talking about the Netflix miniseries, a four-part miniseries, All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, make sure to subscribe, posturerecaps.com slash recaps. And if you're interested in subscribing to any of our podcasts, you can do so at posturerecaps.com slash subscribe. Um, I was pretty excited for this show, uh, got on my radar, because of literally one thing, Lewis Hoffman, Rich. Jonas! Jonas! <laughs> He's back on Netflix, baby! Uh, I would, this is, we've been watching and waiting for this show to come out for a long time. You gotta love Lewis Hoffman. If you love dark, you love Jonas to one degree or another. And the notion that he's in another show that is talking about uh, light, all the light we cannot see. Like there's a lot of great thematic mirroring happening. I too was very excited for that and quite delighted to see the number of other folks that popped up in this project. Some other dark folks, the, uh, the unknown or the origin, uh, hanging out, uh, a delightful bad guy. Yeah. He's yep. great. I thought the 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 bad guy Nazis Ariel were cast particularly well in this show. Yeah, so well that I thought, or I guess this is more of the makeup thing, but uh, I agree about the 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 main antagonist. I actually thought it was an older guy from the Downton Abbey universe, and I was convinced for like two whole episodes, like, wow, this guy is such a good actor. He went did he did that, and now he's doing this, and it was just a completely different person in heavy makeup. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is the so, guy yeah, from uh, the guy who played Von Rumpel, the guy who's looking for the gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. We're talking about all like, see, what I, I, uh, I got to watch this, uh, Ariel, don't laugh. I got to watch the first <laughs> episodes of this at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Is that on the bingo Tip. card? Do we drink? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. People could drink uh, alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage as you, as you would like, because I mentioned Tiff. 
Um, but Sean, Sean Levy was there talking about the show. Uh, this is based on a 2014 novel that I actually think won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, and uh, so people were quite excited to see it. I got to watch the first two episodes. who so kind of left in, in the dark. Lewis Hoffman, I think, for me, was the thing that drew me in. But there's uh, it's a really interesting makeup of a cast because it's, yeah, this a bunch of the German people are just, I think, pulled right from dark. And then, uh, or um, All Quiet on the Western Front, I believe. The, the, yeah, we had the, a number. Yep. And then, so just Netflix German properties, big begin. Then they're like, how about Hugh Laurie and Mark Ruffalo? You're like, okay, cool. And then the main character uh, is just a complete uh, newbie, has never acted before. Either of the the girls who play uh, Marie uh, are totally new actresses. So, um, yeah, I, I based on like a very, like a pretty popular book, and again, won the Pulitzer Prize. Rich, before I get into like quick plot recap stuff, what, what did you make of All the Light We Cannot See overall? I dug it. I really, the cast uh, w was part of the fun for me, seeing all these folks pop up. You had Ed Screen, too, the Once Upon a Time Dario Naharis turn up, mm -hmm. and, like, episode two is the Nazi agent. I thought it was a little bit overwrought, maybe. Like, there were parts of it that they're reaching for these epic levels of drama and tension. As soon as we roll into the kind of jeweler's monologue in the first scene, I'm like, my friend, Christoph Waltz, you are not, and this is not <laughs> in Glorious Bastards, but we're mm -hmm. clearly trying to capture a out of that energy that being said i did love a lot of the themes and the ideas that we're talking about here i mean i think it goes without saying as we're like broadcasting through the various technological devices that are dumping our voices out wherever they may be that this whole notion of radio and the kind of parasocial bonds that we form with the people that we listen to the way that we find these connections globally the kind of shrinking of the world these are all really interesting themes to me and i can't say that i'm a, a scholar of World War II by any means, but I'm certainly an aficionado to one degree or another. It was very central to like my family's history. So I always love when we get a really focused World War II story going into this one little town at this one particular point in time to delve into these characters' plights was pretty fun. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. What'd you make of it, Ariel? I had a good time. I it really felt to me like this is this is three good episodes of TV stretched out across four, yeah. and yeah. it's you know the good parts are really good. Some of it we've we've seen before, but I care about some of these people, especially when it's uh what's his name now I'm forgetting uh the American actor who's in this Mark Ruffalo Mark Ruffalo doing his like. English, French, vaguely European accent is kind of fun to watch. Um, but I, you know, the action stuff I thought kind of worked towards the end. I really like episode three. It just felt like there was a, some steps that we had to do some, uh, you know, some setup that we had to do before we got to where we were going. But I think overall it's a, it's an interesting story. It's so clearly from a book. Yes. And I mean that in just, a very specific way. I, I actually have a friend who I asked if she had watched. I'm like, did I imagine this? I used to live with her. I'm like, did I imagine that you had this book on your bookshelf? And she was like, no, you did not imagine that. I actually had two of them and wow. I've never read them. And I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> that was a, I didn't know where that was going, Ariel. <laughs> I had two of them and I was like, oh, she really loves this. Like, and I, had, I didn't read either of them. <laughs> What a plot twist. And then she asked me if I wanted one. And I said, no, that's okay. I'm watching the show. Now. <laughs> yes, no, I think that that point is, is, is actually a good one because I do think that as it sort of like everything in the story comes together, I'm like, Oh, that's actually good. That's I like that. I like the way it sort of is all tied together. 
in a way that I think I, I did read the book um, uh, after I, I, I'd seen the first two episodes. And so I read through it and I feel like the book in a way just does a better job of think of, um, you know, seeing how it all like intertwines, like it's all intertwined in a way that I think the show struggles to. I think there are definitely like moments and scenes and parts of the show that I really, really liked. And then other parts where I felt like, yeah, I, you know, this is a little bit like, I, I don't even know what the right word is. It just felt a little bit like inauthentic, maybe. To me, yeah, to stretched, like make yeah. the connections, right? Yeah. Like, because I feel that kind of narrative cadence as well. The way that like we meet all these characters, we delve into the backstories, we're doing the flashbacks. Like you could imagine it playing out across chapters. I very much could feel it in the text in that way. But I'm with well, you, Grace. Some of it just didn't connect and resonate yeah. uh, to the degree I think they wanted it to. One thing I'll say about the book, which I think is a is a big difference, is that actually the book is told entirely chronologically. Um, so Ooh. nothing is out of order. I do think they wanted uh, Aria Mia Liberti, uh, who plays Marie-Laure LeBlanc, the main teenage girl, and Louis Hoffman. I think that they like want them in the show from the beginning, which I actually think is a smart choice. Yeah, um, but so they so they centralize on them and then flash back uh, 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 to to their childhood to keep the sort of teenage actors or, you know, however old Lewis Hoffman is um, sort of front and center in a way that I think does work for the TV show, but it's not the way the book um, is told, which I think is, is, is interesting. Um, let me give a quick plot recap and then we can talk about, we can go wherever we want uh, as we chat about the episode. So as I mentioned, Marie-Laure LeBlanc, played by Aria Mia Liberty, is a blind French girl who broadcasts from her uncle Etienne's, uh, who's played by Hugh Laurie, uh, his radio in the attic of his home. She and her father, Daniel, Mark Ruffalo, fled to Paris to live with Madame Manac, um, who's by Marianne Bailey and Uncle Etienne. Her father was a locksmith from the Museum of History in Paris who was entrusted with the Sea of Flames, a diamond that gives its owners uh, seemingly eternal life while everyone around them is cursed. Daniel joins the resistance after building a model of St. Mello to help Marie travel around without getting lost, and they use the model to tell American bombers where to drop bombs via the broadcast radio, often through signals. Um, and, uh, and and signs. Meanwhile, uh, Werner Fenning, played by Lewis Hoffman, is a genius with radios and was taken by his orphanage to join the Nazi regime. He is stationed in St. Mello to track down radio signals, and he hears Marie's broadcast as he listened to the same frequency when he was a child. He and Marie would both listen to the professor, who, as it turns out, was Uncle Etienne, delivering message of si messages of science and peace. Etienne and Werner end up fighting off his direct supervisor and killing him. And they try to protect her from von Rumpel, played by Lars Eidinger, a German officer tasked with collecting diamonds for Hitler. But he wants the Sea of Flames for himself since he was diagnosed with cancer. Von Rumpel kills Daniel when he tried to flee St. Melo as a distraction. Madame Manek dies of a sickness and Etienne dies trying to get back to save Marie. Werner and Marie are able to fend off Von Rumpel and Werner turns himself into the police while Marie gets to have a trip to the ocean as she often wanted to do while St. Melo was under rule by the Germans. And that's basically all the light we cannot see. Um, I guess I didn't explain why it's called all the light we cannot see, which is the professor's uh, one of his uh, the most meaningful light. What does he say exactly? I can't even remember. Um, the most important light, light is all the light we cannot see. I really yeah. loved that theme. You know, I think that they were a little on the nose with it, but the starting out like 20,000 leagues under the sea being the kind of text that she's using as the cipher for this code pitch, the notion of like the, the darkness beneath the sea, all the unknown entities that lurk down there. She's got that whole little monologue in the opening of like, 
if we know all the creatures in the world, then there is no concern. But if not, what monsters may lurk in this dark place? And the way that that's going to mirror what's fundamentally the PTSD that Atian is talking about, right? His experience in World War One. World War One is like the first industrialized war that we fight. This is mechanized warfare. It is death on a scale to which was heretofore unseen in the world, right? And these men were really deeply scarred by that in ways that has been recorded again and again and again. So the way that that mirrors what Hoffman's character is experiencing in the current war and that echoes to the blindness of Marie, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff there in the titling and in this notion of the light that we cannot see, you know? Yeah, I, I do feel like I get like um I don't know what the exact metaphor is as I was thinking about as I watched it, where it's like I think the it's the opposite of the sum is greater than the than the whole of its parts, where I feel like the show overall, I feel like is not as good as particular things about the show are. So what's the yes. opposite metaphor for that? Where I like think that Marie is really good. I think that Lewis Hoffman as, as Werner is really good. I think Hugh Laurie as Etienne is really good. I even do quite like Von Rumpel and like all the series of just like increasingly um, German men that they get to come play Nazis to like torture Werner. Uh, like the man who like brings him to like initially to uh, like fix the radio and then take him to the camp and get his test done to see if he's like Jewish or not. And then there's like the super, the unknown, the origin guy that he brings uh, even like the, the, but the guy from uh, all quiet on the Western front, like all of these people that, that just end up dead, but also on both sides, everyone ends up dead, which is a way I, which the show, or we we're kind of talking about this before that I do feel like, for a show that has a lot of characters from dark, I do sometimes wish the show is a bit d darker than it than it was. And I know like it's mm -hmm. in there, like in the text, like Etienne dies, Madame Manek dies, Daniel dies, like just gets shot because he won't tell where the Sea of Flames is. Like they both lose everybody in their life. Like Vern doesn't like go back to see his sister Judd. Like everybody's pretty like at the end, like Vern is like going to jail seemingly. And then, uh, uh, but in a way, I don't think it was like tonally as like, matched what i wanted the show to be i think yeah it was uh it's kind of wistful a lot of these characters right and the moments yes. and just like it felt and i mean this with love because i have watched a lot of pbs masterpiece but it felt like you know something you would watch in that and where it's like a little bit more about like the emotions of the characters and like the connection that these two people share and their connection to the professor and like that kind of being more important the the very horrible things happening in their lives kind of being almost more of a backdrop in addition to like a you know driving force in the narrative and it's you know, it's like a, it again, it feels like a story in that sense where you're like waiting for the things to, to intersect or the metaphors to hit. And a lot of them hit very uh, hard over the head, like you said, Rich. But I think it's, you know, the, the characters do elevate it in that sense that the actors do. And that's what I think we are all seeming to have connected to um, some more than others, I would say. But for sure, the, the highs are, are there. I think that you're spot on, though, Grace. I mean, it's an optimistic piece, right? It's fundamentally about this notion, the like central premise that we're going to explore a little bit gets laid out, I think, really well in the beginning with Marie talking about this notion of like you burn a piece of coal and the light that it makes that sunlight light can never be destroyed. Right. But darkness can only last for an instant once we like bring the light into it. And I think that there's like clearly a really optimistic perspective there that is not at all the kind of 
of perspective that we explored in a story like Dark, right? I think like fundamentally Dark where oh, I don't want to like spoil it or get into it too much, but it's Dark. It says it right there in the title, right? Uh, it is it is like not optimistic in terms of the story that they're presenting to us and, and the nature of the human spirit. I think that's something these two projects certainly share as well as Lewis Hoffman and a couple of other actors. But in that way, like, I don't know. I, when I say I found it overwrought, there just were scenes that I felt like they're looking for drama that they haven't earned yet, right? And some of the characterization was so like kind of wild and over the top. Some of the action worked a lot better for me. But I do think that fundamentally our central cast, they all really landed and resonated. And I liked the portrayals that we got of these people. I felt invested in their stories by the end. Like even if the characters weren't as affected by the death of Etienne uh, or by the death of Daniel, I was like, I cared when those things happened. So that's good storytelling, right? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think this is like kind of tracks with Sean, Sean Levy, who um, I'm, I'm missed to, to criticize him too much because he is Canadian. Um, so I don't know if I'm allowed to, uh, like, yeah, yeah, they might not let you back next year if you say too many, but, um, (laughs) this is a guy who's done, uh, cheaper by the dozen night at the museum, the, the, like, I think all three of those movies free guy. Um, and so I think that if I look at then him and he, he did say that he, uh, he almost like when he saw the scripts that Stephen Knight wrote, he didn't want to let go. And he decided that he was going to direct all four episodes. And I don't know whether there's a big difference if he executive produced versus if he's the director, but I, I do feel like sometimes I think the optimistic tone, because I would actually push back that there's not an optimistic tone to dark, like at some points in that thing of like, I know it's like mostly dark, but there, there is this like thing about relationships that can like persevere and like, all, and, and maybe too, like, maybe I'm just like placing my own thought, but like, I don't know. There's a way in which like, this show ends up being so like everybody dies. <laughs> like everybody except Werner and Marie die, right? Like pretty much everybody. And pretty so much, yeah. the idea that like the last shot, like, and it's actually not that the last shot is this. It's just that like, we're like her uncle, Marie's uncle has, or like, I guess great uncle or whatever has died. Like and Werner comes and then he like seemingly immediately falls in love with Marie and can't like stop smiling. But like, also she has like suffered tremendous loss. Doesn't he also, I guess Von Rumble has just delivered the news that like he killed her dad mm-hmm. as well. And yeah. so like the fact that we never, like, we never like are fully, I feel like for long enough, like, and, and I think some of this is like, this this is where we like end, which I guess is actually closer to the book that I'm like imagining because it's it's all chronological. But the idea that it's just kind of like, well, if she goes to the beach, at least she can be at the beach, you know? I'm like, I don't I don't know if that matches like how I feel like this girl would be feeling. And there is like I do think like I really like when like ATN and Madame Manek, like the Manek getting ATN involved in the revolution and finding out it's all these older women, and then and then Etienne getting Daniel involved. And I feel like, like, I love the the theme of, of that, of like what you can, what you can do and the sacrifice you have to make in these like uh, times and, and Etienne, like being holed up in his apartment and, and using the radio that he had always broadcast for like, basically about, he says this line about, um, you know, uh, my, my radio was always used for good and now it's a, a weapon of war. Yep. Um, I really liked that stuff, but again, I just feel like tonally it just never matched where I thought, it could go, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like the story or I don't know about the book, but it certainly 
the show is just a little bit more interested in like the the romance part of it. And I and I wouldn't say at all that like the show is a romantic show maybe romantic about certain ideas certainly but uh as far as like being a romance story and then to your point at the end it kind of like becomes one although you know they do share the connection what are the chances we both listen to the thing and it's actually my uncle who i didn't even know and we're both you know we both burn a little brighter now uh because of this light thing and i it's it's like okay they kiss and then he has to turn himself in i did really like the the connection the, the connection that I felt more so than his connection to Marie was his connection with his sister. And that just like yeah. reminded me of dark a lot, even though in dark, he didn't have any siblings, which is sad. Uh, this, the, the connection that he had with his sister and like that final moment where she, he's able to like speak to her over the radio. It was like, I was, I was weeping. I'm, I have to admit. Yeah, it was really strong. I mean, I guess when I say I think about it as optimistic, like certainly the story and, and the plot, the circumstances of the events are really harrowing and relentless. No, but I'm with you, Rich. I'm with you that it's like the tone is like trying to be optimistic. Yeah, it's just yeah. fundamentally rooted in these ideas of, of um, I mean, again, you know, the, the whole notion of Etienne's experience and it's similar to what Werner is going through in real time as we've met him and we track through these episodes that – I've seen things that I can't unsee, right? We're playing so much with these ideas of like sight and sound and the senses with Marie as our deaf character using this radio to like connect with the world and to feel connected. And there's so much about like the isolation of the human experience, but the idea that like they, that Etienne and Werner have been out in the light of the world, right? They have this gift of sight that has been robbed from Marie, supposedly by the curse of this, uh, <laughs> this magical diamond, which is in and of itself, it's own like interesting plot point right but that fundamentally like it doesn't matter how the damage gets done or how you end up where you are like if you can no longer see the joy in the world for what it is it doesn't matter if you're actually blind or if you're suffering from ptsd like there comes a point where you start building the walls to like box yourself off to experience where um regardless of like the specificity of the circumstances that have gotten you to where you are you you shut down and you can't take in the light of the world that is not necessarily literal light right it's the embodiment of love and relationship connection and like human interactivity it's the impact that one person can have on another it's the notion that uh the nazi war machine could be upset and overturned by the tiniest of like wrenches thrown into the sprockets of it of these lovely old women that are the resistance right that like each pebble alters the course of the river to a degree and that's just so optimistic in its nature, right? That no matter how hard you're going to get hit and how brutally the world is going to grind you down, you need to wake up every day recognizing that you're alive and that there's light out there in the world, that the ocean is like breaking outside, that the sun has risen and will set again tonight. And like, you, it's your choice to go participate in it or not. So I, I really liked a lot of what they did with the themes of the story and the way that they explored. Again, I talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but these parasocial 
social relationships. I mean, in the in the world of like the information age that we live in in this 21st century, it's so easy to take for granted. The three of us get together every week and we talk about the stuff that we love and we're friends because the technology has allowed us that, right? But we also live in an age where this same technology is being used as a weapon, where it is being directed pointedly that the internet and the kind of social media and the various kind of content uh, promotion platforms that are out there are used to propagate misinformation and to brainwash people and all of it. Like these things cut both ways, right? And the ways that we form bonds and that we can like remove ourselves from the temporal circumstances around us that are so unrelenting to find other human connections out there around the world. It's really profound. And I love the exploration of that because like I talked about, I mean, this is at the, the beginning of the 19th century. We're in the 40s, obviously. It's not that long ago, uh, circa 100 years. But like this is the beginning of the advent of these technologies that will change the face of the human species on the planet earth right like you can't go back once we've taken this toothpaste out of the tube and they're so prevalent in what we deal with today and our and our interactions and relationships and the ways that we interface with the world that i love getting that carried back to kind of its origins in world war ii i thought that was really innovative yeah i mean i i agree there's a lot of stuff in here that i i like uh again i just feel like overall like the individual pieces sometimes are so much stronger than what i found the whole show yeah. to be um yeah. i think uh one thing i really loved is is hugh laurie who uh the the idea here that that he so he had this radio and so after world war one ariel the great war that was called yeah. um, that um learned <laughs> he decide he starts this this radio broadcast he becomes the professor and all these things that he's teaching um and sending through the airwaves on this frequency and then um but also like he's doing that also just because he's like holed up and he doesn't know like what to do and he's never left um this thing and i do think this actually is uh there is a way that this um i, I don't again I wonder too, just about the flight, like this show starts at a really dark place in terms of like, we start with the bombs dropping on, um, dropping on St. St. Mellow. And it's kind of like understandable. I think that it's like, I don't want to go outside. You know, it's like, uh, it's really bad. It could be bad out there. Um, but I do, you know, I do like the thing of like, there's a, I think it's in the book about like, um, Madame Manek and and uh, Marie would like walk around and she would often like secretly take her to the beach. And that's like there is a thing about like the oysters in the show, but I don't think it's like that. And, and so then um, Etienne gets like pretty upset that they're like willing to like be so risky, uh, especially one day after they almost get get caught. Whereas I feel like that tension is delivered through the um why is Daniel counting the steps and making a model of St. Mello scene um, where he gives the fake papers. But I don't know. I, I do really, I do. I feel like I'm trying to get the show comment that I'm already like saying why parts of what I didn't like, but I do like the other thing where he's like, keep asking me uh, if I'll go outside with you and walk with you. And so when he eventually like does, I thought that was like um, really strong, although maybe undercut because we have seen him outside. We've seen him like in the first episode, he's like clearly outside. Um, but alas, I do think, I think the Hugh Laurie stuff is really, is really strong. Protect your dream home with American family insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home auto and life. American family insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com.
Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Gosh, I, I don't know what you do, but I, because I agree with the choice to make everybody speak English. I think that that's, so there's part of me, like pretentious me is like, couldn't we have cast French actors and German actors? And they're, they're mostly German actors. They could have spoken German and we subtitle this thing, but they don't want to show it's going to be subtitled. I don't know who told Mark Ruffalo to basically do like British French. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. It really bothered me the whole time. It was like Mark Ruffalo's like. Uh, it struck me as a very Dungeons and Dragons accent, right? <laughs> like I've done that accent for a thousand NPCs, Grace. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. You see, you just have to turn right here, Marie. It was just like, I don't know. It felt so put on in a way that like bothered me, but I don't know. I just basically, I do, I did love his relationship with Marie. I actually thought Marie, the the actress who plays Marie was really, really strong. Um, and she has such great chemistry with like basically everybody she interacts with, um, with, uh, with Hugh Laurie, Mark Ruffalo and Marion Bailey, um, are like three sort of French resistance fighters. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything else stand out to you guys is like, things that you you did like about the show is like these like the stronger parts of the show yeah i mean the hugh laurie point i think for sure is uh is a strong one he's obviously an incredible actor and i think anytime he's in the room the the scene just like feels more important and carries more weight than before so anytime he showed up whether it was a cool shootout or a uh you know just him talking to one of the characters and connecting or him explaining about his radio or talking about how his attic smells like him. I I'm just uh, a little bit more interested than, than otherwise. And I think that that obviously that's important to both main characters and that connection that they all share. And it's uh, it's, it's nice that we get some of his, some of his backstory. I think all the stuff with, with, with him and the family and, uh, and uh, Memek, uh, Madam, Manek, Madam uh, Manek, Manek. Oh no, not Manek. 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 Uh, she's incredible. All the 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 like old woman revolution, as they as they put it, is is pretty genius. Although they do seem to kind of mess up the whole Daniel's going to go back to you know uh, Paris thing. Yeah, but it's it's sweet. I like I, all those moments. I enjoyed a whole lot of, of the, the other characters kind of getting moments to, to shine and take away from the, the radio and the like wistful listening for, you know, certain musics or uh, information or just connection with people. Yeah. I, I think that to the Mark Ruffalo at all, it's tough. This is a really high profile <laughs> actor. Right. And so there's a little bit of like in a project like this, so that's always going to take me out. You got to root yourself in. And his, his affect was not incredible. The Hugh Laurie was the exact opposite though, where I was so delighted to see him. I was a big like house fan, I guess. Yeah. And uh, I've like not seen him in a lot of projects since then. I think he's at like a great age and he carried like an incredible kind of gravitas in the middle of like this. It, it wasn't campy, but again, the like light tone felt it just felt juxtaposed against this like harrowing backdrop that we got right there were points that that was a little bit incongruous for me but in the episode two stuff the stuff with dario naharis coming to like grab up uh Jonas, whose na- these are not the right names <laughs> His but, name is verner verner Werner. Jonas Werner. Jonas. Werner. Yeah. Werner Fenning. Werner uh, Fenning. 
Even Weezer agrees, okay? <laughs> um, the end screen, like, coming to pick him up and drop him off at the school, though. He gets brought to, like, the National Political Institute of Education, and there's all the hazing that goes on there. And this is the kind of stuff that I've talked on in some podcasts, but I got, like, uh, pulled out of my life when I was 16 and thrown into, like, a boarding school. And this stuff, like, it just is is amongst the most resonant for me personally in the, in the episodes because – of my experiences, you know, it felt really palpable and terrifying. And I think that they did a great job in a short period of time, like framing Werner as a character because he gets introduced as this kind of like mystery player from the beginning, right? He's listening to the radio. We don't really get it. We don't understand where his loyalty lies. I think one of the things the show did really well is show us something and then explain the thing. Like the first time I see the yeah. model of the city, like, you know me, Grace, I'm sitting here rolling my eyes like, what the, what's going on with this model? The blind girl built the model, but the fact that like, oh no, her dad's like this yeah. museum, very particular detail. We see all the work to earn it like we see why it matters to Werner that he's listening to 13.10 they did a really good job of circling back on what they presented in episode one and like really conveying whole stories for each of these individual players in the cast and I, I really enjoyed that in retrospect oh I think part of that like and again I don't want to like feel like I'm slandering the show too much but I do think that's like that's from the book like all that stuff is from the book so sure. I feel like you can see why this was like a very tempting. I mean, it won the Pulitzer Prize, so you know, obviously lauded to some degree. So I think there's a reason why, like, it's a, it was a tempting thing to try to adapt. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I do agree that I think that there's like times where. Um, but then the other thing too, it takes me out is like they cast a young actress for like young Marie, but then like poor Louis Hoffman has to pretend. To be like, he's a perpetual like this, teenager. Like yeah. Little boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you but, guys clap and yeah. point at the scream every time we saw him sleeping when he was just sleeping oh. in a bed? I really loved it. I was like, oh yeah. He didn't wake oh, up this. in like a, <laughs> you know, black he didn't do that. Goo. We were looking for the black goo. Yeah. Um, no, I did think a lot of the, I think, I think most of his story actually though, I did think worked a lot for me. And I actually do like one of the things I was watching, I was really, I was, I do like it a lot. And then I'm like wondering, like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about like the German who's like, you know, and I'm sure that this exists of like the Nazi who didn't want to be a Nazi and didn't sure. want to commit, right. you know, crimes. Um, and so I think they do a good job of being like, he is, so he like does get a bit of redemption, but he also has to like but he has to, to like give himself up. Like I do, I do think that's like actually yeah. an interesting choice to, rather than being like her being like here, change out of your like Nazi uniform and like come hide here. Like we'll protect, you know, whatever, um, whatever they were going to like try to do that. I do think they like show some accountability and, and can show that like some people, you know, knew that it was wrong to be, to be part of the Nazi regime. Um, and, and that's bad. And then that there's like ways in which you like, have to pay but you have to go, go go be on trial right like and, and figure out how culpable were you um in terms of like everything that happened and you know but he's somebody who like um did not agree with that i did think that that thought, was a good yeah. balance i thought it's a great choice right because again like i'm a person who spent a lot of time because of my family history uh, delving into world war ii stories and television shows films books over the years and there were a lot of people that got swept up but this is the cliche uh like absolve me of responsibility i was just following orders right and there's a lot of people that got swept up in the machinations of that time in the world and that party you know i have a friend who's like family lived in 
Germany on this really isolated island off the kind of mainland and like was part of it was considered part of Germany and they were conscripted to like fight as Nazi soldiers and were really like uh, ethically opposed to the values of the party but what are you going to do at that point right like a lot of people got swept up in this and I thought they did a great great job to your point like addressing his culpability and his responsibility for his actions before without like while still making him somebody that we can empathize with right and like giving us a story there it doesn't absolve him of all the things he does he says it to etienne i have done horrible things i've done horrible things and the fact that he's able to like own that in the end but he's still grasping for the light inside the coal like that's what works for me that's the resonance to your point grace that like you know it's not as good as the sum of its parts that to me like what do we call that call it star wars that's a lot of star wars for me and i love <laughs> Of Star Wars, but I think that like oftentimes you go into a Star Wars project and people will leave with feelings, but at least we can all agree. But that one scene that was pretty cool, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and so I think like Star Wars always has these incredible scenes and these incredible moments that would like serve a fan at it, but sometimes the entirety of the project doesn't come together in the way that the creators hoped that it would, right? Yeah. All right, let's do some superlatives. We'll start with, uh, let's start with best character. Um, who do you think, in your opinion, who is who is the best character uh, in all the life you cannot see? It's kind of tricky. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I have a couple of honorable mentions. Yes. Uh, like the redhead who tells Jonas to run, who tells, uh, mm -hmm. what's his name? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Warner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Warner. It's just, run. Run. And I was run. Like, yeah, this guy, this guy gets it. Uh -huh. He's a he's cool. That guy was a Chad. Yeah, go with yeah. that guy. And then uh the the nun that is with Werner and his sister, uh Juta, Jutta. Mm -hmm. Uh she's great and the sister's great. You know, I think Frau Elena, I believe a couple. Frau Elena. but really it's it's Doctor House with a gun, as I wrote before Rich even mentioned Hugh Laurie as house. It's him in general i think he's the he's definitely the most interesting character consistently for me and you laurie's great so it's always nice when we see him on the screen even if he's just kind of dying quietly gosh i yeah i don't want to like double down but uh, I, I feel like i have to like for me hugh laurie was just such a standout amongst everybody i really love lewis hoffman and it's so fun to get to see him in a role where he is speaking english that's really fun and encouraging to me and makes me hope like oh i want to see this kid in more projects like i love so much of the cast from dark but especially him i i wanted to love ruffalo more the accent did not bother me as much as it did you and marie is great but Etienne is like the guy, right? Like I'm a real to the Star Wars of it all. I'm a sucker for an Obi-Wan Kenobi. You give me that wizened mentor. He's got a great beard. We mm -hmm. know how I feel about that, Grace. Uh, yeah, so like, beard. The, the fact that he's like rolling around on a motorcycle with a Thompson submachine gun, it's kind of harder to get cooler than that guy. And he puts that cool hat on when he finally gets ready to take his walk. Yeah. You forgot your hat. Cool, yeah. You kept yeah. it? It's great. I love it. Adorable. Um, I'm gonna give mine to Marie Marie Laura only because this is this is her first acting job ever, uh, ever. She's never acted in anything before, uh, so I'm gonna give it to her. I think she's pretty pretty incredible as as Marie Laura. The only thing I hate is uh, the papa. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> the only it. thing I papa? hate, papa, papa, papa. 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 Um, but I think she's really she's really good. Um, I know that she also had quite a bit of influence. Um, sorry, Ariel. At tip, Sean Levy had talked about. <laughs> <the fact> <laughs> 
the fact that they <laughs> wanted Tiff. Yeah, the fact that they um hired somebody who actually is is blind uh for both uh both Marie parts um and actually like changed a fair bit of stuff for like the way that like scenes are shot uh basically following um her lead I think is is really cool so yeah I'm going to give my shout out to to Marie. Um I didn't realize the older Marie was also blind. That's really interesting. That's cool. That that's great mm-hmm. that they did that. Yeah. Um okay, let's uh let's go with best death next. Is there I think there's a few. I think that for me it's pretty much between um uh my boy from uh, uh All Quiet on the Western Front. I think it's Schupel, I think is his name in the show. Uh no, Schmidt. Uh he was <laughs> or or Von Rumpel getting shot by Marie. I think are up there for the two best deaths in the in the show. But yeah. I mean Mine is mine is Marie for sure. Killing killing Von Rumble. Killing Von Rumble. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty badass. She tags yeah. him right in the head. Too. He's like it's everything shot. Everything makes a sound or whatever she says. She's yeah, like, <laughs> and she's blind and she shoots him. It's so good. Everything sings. Yeah, the Von Rumble one is good. Can I uh, make an honorable mention for the yes. worst death? Uh, oh yeah, it's my sure. boy Hugh Laurie. Like that was pretty rough. The professor. Uh-huh. Has one more lesson for you, Jonas. <laughs> I mean, Werner, please. <laughs> Go close. That's yeah. the point where I was like, okay, guy, okay. Maybe a bridge too far. I think it's probably got to be Von Rumpel at the end, though I really did love when Hugh Laurie rolls up and we kill the all choir of the Western Front guy outside of yes. Marie's house. I thought that that was like just an excellent. Um, that's that's moment. the origin, right? That's when he, that's the origin guy. Yes, right? that is yeah. his son, right? It's like the whole moment of uh, Jonas gets to like kill. Yeah. It's good yeah. yeah that's right that's right yeah. yeah um i'm also gonna give it to von rumble i think it's clearly the best the best death uh is the blind girl shooting the big bad of the show um all right a favorite scene or best scene we used to do best episode uh we watch this we find as we're binging this it's like really hard for me to be like uh i think five was good <laughs> there, was, there wasn't even a five of the show but i'm like they all just i basically sometimes watch these in like two days uh this one era i believe you said you watched it all today so like they all blend together so instead we have changed this to best moment um i do really really like when schmidt like they all the secret thing of like mm-hmm. i knew that the radio was on uh you know i didn't actually graduate i'm gonna ki- like this is great oh, that you spilled your so secret good. but actually i'm gonna kill you and then he kill he gets the gun and he's like please don't kill me and then he shoots them i think that's probably my favorite scene um i don't know if you've you, either of you have uh, have others you want to mention? I was close to picking that one. I just thought it's extraordinary, and I love that it happened so early as we're kind of setting up the whole like back and forth of the two of them playing. And like, because Werner is so kind of beset upon up until that scene, and that's the scene where like he finds his heels and he, he squares <laughs> his shoulders and like kind of stands up for himself and takes control. And I just thought it's excellent the way that he handles it. Like, I get really excited by that. One. Can I, I say? I had watched the first two episodes and I really was pretty high that we should like cover this because that was good because like the show starts with like the Americans bombing and like the letters falling out. I thought it was so interesting that like she can't read what it says, which is like evacuate the hell out. And she's the one giving them the coordinates of like where to where to bomb. So I guess she knows she's safe or whatever. And then like episode two has that scene. It also ends with like Von Rumpel, like basically trying to drown 
Marie yeah. kind of feeling where the CFO. And I was like, this show like feels like really dark. And then it's weird. It's interesting because Bat Three has, I think, the whole like recruitment to the. It does, and so it's like, I, yeah, it's so interesting that I'm like in in retrospect, I feel like there's like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, maybe I'm too harsh on the show. It's basically what I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't think you are. I, I think my favorite scene has to be in episode three. I really loved Werner going to the school. It felt terrifying. Mm. There's just so much stuff there that is like like baked into everything that was happening in the world war ii with the hitler youth the way that they're indoctrinating these children the absolute like brutal inhumanity of what's going on there and it felt really resonant to again my experience as a 16 year old getting shipped off to a boarding school uh that was kind of like hardcore the whole like hazing him in and i think that the moment where he goes running out of the institution and into the trees and he's speaking to Judah or to judah of like yeah, yeah, oh yeah. it's lovely here the air and the trees are so beautiful and they're intercutting like the sound mix of this stampede of dudes that are running him down to like beat him within an inch of his life that was like horrifying to me in a way that was like more terrifying than a lot of the deaths so, or the bombing yeah. or the war of it all right so so the way the book is formatted is that it goes every other chapter pretty much for the most part goes from marie to Werner, and the exact same time like it's all chronologically like the often the like chapter like the sections of the book are like dated by by the date like they're like okay it's august 4th 1944 or whatever and then here's what here's what they're both doing and it goes back and forth basically like like game of thrones but with only two characters except once Werner leaves jetta you start to get letters between the two of them and it's mostly Werner's letters to to jetta and so it's like basically him trying to like lie or his like letters are like literally um like censored from the german right. government or just intercepted yeah he doesn't bother so so they're like they're completely like uh like like blacked out like you only get like bits of pieces where it's basically like redacted it's yeah. redacted and then you also get letters from daniel when he leaves to marie and he's trying to make marie feel not bad about him leaving so he's writing like it's great here i actually i haven't i i'm so close to finishing the book i i it gives me the sense that like he was like <laughs> writing from a concentration camp like that's honestly where i thought that oh, it was going yeah. um that he was like giving but i don't think that's what happens but he's, he's seemingly it's seemingly not good for him but he's writing um he's writing back to he's like in the same situation again and saying everything's okay but he's saying everything's okay yeah so he keeps writing back being like yeah you're like you know everything's fine i'll be back soon blah 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 when you like kind of have to insinuate like it's absolutely not fine whatever whatever he like mm -hmm. happened to him but i would also think like if he got captured why would they let him write letters anyway uh uh ariel what's your favorite scene from the show i you know i had written down a bunch of scenes from episode three where you know marie gets the this is when kind of in a flashback where the Gestapo and end up at the house and she's being tested for being blind and they put the knife like up against her eyes and she's like such a badass in that moment yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that Forget. I think is is really cool but it, it has to be Dr. House showing up on the motorcycle again uh, Uncle Etienne he's just so cool and doesn't shoot Werner by like a miracle and it's it was just like a slight bit of action that I was like ooh what's happening yeah, there's not like a ton of like actions, very like talk and like there's like things happen, but like, yeah, it's mostly a lot of scenes with this. Grace. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the last one, and this will be tricky because Jess isn't here. What we typically do is we are going through and ranking the the title cards of the show. So this one is the um the model house. It's like the music over the recreation of the model house. Mm -hmm. Um, I will just get a sense of how 
good or bad you think it is. And then I'm going to personally try to put it into our rankings based on what we've said about the other ones. I don't know if that makes sense, but how'd you feel about the title card sequence here, Rich? I loved it. Honestly, uh, the song, not necessarily the most stand up, but I love the visual like sequence of it. I found it really interesting from the first one. I think that they did a good job with their cold opens of like holding it back and making the title card drop impactful every time. But once we got clarity of what we were looking at, I thought it was great. I love a tiny scale model set like this. Grace, I am a dungeon master and love nothing more than a battle map. I wish I had room <laughs> for one in my house. You know, I'm like a huge, huge fan of the opening titles i've complained about a lot of title credits this year and like yeah. these ones i was like this is really good <laughs> I yeah. think it's really good what'd you think ariel i thought it looked cool i just it was a little slow for me and i know that the sh you know the show isn't the the fastest paced set of episodes but i think this was a little like uh normally i don't like to skip and i was kind of fast forwarding through them a little bit yeah, that's I fair. Do, I did. I'm looking at the rest of the list. I did see the fall of the house of Usher, but I which is basically just the final. <laughs> it's the, it's say, the, at the end of the episode after yeah, every death, when it goes like, the, yeah, the, the stinger of the yeah. show. I I would say I like that better than I. <laughs> I agree. I think that uh, where I'm going to put it, I think is it's uh, it's probably not as good as Bodies, which Bodies last week was pretty interesting. I thought the music for Bodies is better then this imagery might be better but the music is better last week and so i feel like that puts it above this but it's and it's this is by far better than wolf like me which was a pretty uh both the visuals and the tone was a little bit weird the music um all right any final thoughts about all the light we cannot see rich or ariel I think it's good. It's popping off. Uh, I know like it, you know, just dropped on Netflix and it seems like a lot of people are watching it. It was better than I anticipated, uh, though. It's certainly like not flawless. Right. I don't think it's like a perfect uh, World War Two story, but I think that there's a lot of really great stuff in there. And I just can't overstate how much I enjoyed the way that these themes of a story that is set uh, 80 years ago felt very relevant to our contemporary experience. Um, the whole notion that they're exploring there really worked. I dig it. Worth watch yeah final thoughts ariel i think uh you know it's really sad that the model home didn't survive and uh <laughs> they called it i kept calling it the model home in my head the the model town the model uh, uh model of the town yeah. and it is how they discover you know the diamond in the end the sea of stars sea of, sea of flames flames i was like what's plural of fire uh but yeah r.a.p to the town very smart to put in the little in the little house in his yeah. house. I, I just realized it's a metaphor, and now I hate it. So anyway, we can really. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was terrible. Why would you put the gem in your freaking model in the middle of the house? There's a bunch of wall panels. Rip up a floorboard. What are you doing? What are you doing, Ruffalo? Come on. Aye, aye. Fair enough. That's the final thoughts on the show then. Um, <laughs> all right. Next week, uh, Jess Sterling will be back and we're going to, I believe, have a special guest as uh, Mike Bloom, I believe, will be joining us to chat about Amazon Prime's third season of Upload, which Mike and Jess covered season two here on Post Show Recaps. We've decided to bring it into the full spoiler recaps uh, podcast. We're going to cover uh, Upload uh, after the full season. I believe it's dropping one or two episodes every week. And so by the time uh, next week rolls around, we'll have been able to watch all of season three um make sure you subscribe by visiting post slash subscribe uh we're a pretty new podcast on oh, this is the 
fifth episode, I believe, of the show. So uh, really helpful uh, to get subs uh, for us. You can get ad-free versions of podcasts at postrecaps.com slash Patreon. And, uh, oh, I I, I uh, didn't tell either of you that I need you to help me with the outro. Uh, so when we get there, uh, uh, remind me. Uh, to loop you in on what you're going to do. And I'm going to leave all this in because I, I will. this is the art of podcasting. But uh, before we sign off, Rich, where can people find you and what are you up to? Uh, I'm at DM Philly in all the places. You can get me on Twitch, on YouTube, over on Twitter. My DMs are open there if you want to hit me up about anything. I'm talking about a bunch of TV. You and me are talking about Yellowstone, Beacon 23, a new series starting over on MGM. Uh, Corey B and I will be breaking that. Cersei Lannister. Yeah, uh, Lena Headey. She's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prez and I about to recap the end of the Winter King. First season is over. We're just getting started. So I'm talking about a bunch of stuff. Um, and Ariel, what about you? so much stuff push our recaps you and me covering movies every week push recaps theater covering the morning show which is also coming to an end for the season uh covering Grey's anatomy with Chappelle, and uh i know there's something i'm missing but that's how it goes sometimes yeah that's how it goes. Um, I think, uh, and the only thing I think uh, that didn't get mentioned, oh, I think I think I'm only podcasting with things that I'm doing with the two of you. So you did all my plugs. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, all right, we will be back next week as we watch upload. Um, okay, so here's what I need you to do. I'm gonna say the first part, and then I need you to say, and you've been fully recapped together at the same time, preferably oh, wow. the two of you. Um, so I'm gonna say you've been fully spoiled. You'll say, and you've been fully recapped. So I'm gonna say, and you've been fully spoiled. You've been fully recapped. recapped. I love it. Amazing. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.